bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's you, Sparky Pfeiffer, another edition of Green and Growing. Normally, uh, Nathan Marzion uh, joins me, but we are recording this in the afternoon, and Nathan Marzion has a full-time job, so it's just me. Follow me uh, on Twitter at Sparky Radio, and our guy, Jim Ozarski, of course, can follow him on Twitter as well, Bucks beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And uh, Jim got just got done playing a, a round of golf at Geneva National How many rounds of golf does a NBA beat writer get in during the course of a summer once his team is eliminated? That's a great question. You know what? I haven't covered a Bucks team that was out this early, Sparky, (laughs) since the the original Bucks and Six uh, team in Miami, and so it's been a long time. I my my golf season started early, so I don't know. It's this is a. relatively uncharted territory. Yeah, uh, and a territory that Bucks fans don't like being in. And I'll give you an idea of how much Bucks fans don't like being in this. Uh, today, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, the NBA announced uh, they're all defensive teams. And Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez both made first uh, all-team defense. And I tweeted out, oh, love it. Hashtag Bucks. And I got met with a whole bunch of negativity, Jim Ozarski. Who cares? They got beat by Miami. What does that matter at this point? Just people are just still not in a good mood. I thought it was pretty cool that, uh, you know, because, again, Giannis is always gets gets the awards and, and gets noticed. Uh, but in this case, Brooke Lopez gets noticed. He had a really good year. And, obviously, Drew Holiday did, too. And it's nice when the rest of the league notices guys outside of Giannis on this basketball team. Yeah, it is. And I get it, right? It's a little bittersweet for sure that you have two all defensive team players and and essentially you know the defense was one of the reasons this team has been eliminated right um and you're right it's brooke lopez deservedly sparky you know in his run in milwaukee this is only his first first team selection uh i I think it was a second teamer the year Giannis won dpoi and, of course, Drew Holiday is now sort of in that cadence, right? I, it might be three years in a row, five of the last six or something like that. So, yeah, it's uh, – hey, look, they were a 58-win team, and, you know, these are some of the spoils that come with that. So I, I was uh, a little bit surprised, maybe I shouldn't have been, that Giannis didn't make first-team All-Pro or second-team All-Pro from a defensive team's uh, perspective. Did Giannis have kind of a more of a down-year defensively in your mind? Yeah, I, I didn't vote for him for either team, Sparky. Um, I, I had the Milwaukee vote this year. Um, he was very good, but not, to me, to that level. You know, if there were if there were three teams like there are for All-NBA, I probably would have had him on, on the third team, but there weren't. And quite frankly, the forward position was really star-studded. Um, you know, DPOY, Jaron Jackson Jr. start, you know, with him in Memphis. Evan Mobley and Cleveland, a, a finalist for DPOY. So right there, I mean, you have those guys. Uh, I believe OG Ananobi, um, and I, I think Bam is a center. Um, Draymond Green, I, I didn't vote for Draymond. I think he might have been the, the little bit of a surprise uh, of this group, perhaps. Um, but, I, you know, Giannis, he wasn't even really close, Sparky. I think 60 total points, and I think the, the other forwards had 80 something so I he just I I don't think he had the type of defensive year uh, we're used to him seeing and and while I may sort of judge him 
or judge Bucks players more harshly because I see them and you want to sort of even out the, the inherent bias, so to speak. Um, clearly, I think other teams just saw there were really good forwards this season. You know, the other thing uh, that obviously we have to get into uh, is the Bucks moving on from Mike Boonholzer. But before we get to that, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about that last series against the Miami Heat because the way I looked at it was they had two options on Jimmy Butler. Either A, they could blitz him and double him whenever he got the ball to get the ball out of his hands, which we've seen coaches around the league do. Nick Nurse has done it in Toronto. Mike Brown's done it in Sacramento. We've seen guys do that before to try and make somebody else beat him. So that was option one. Option two was play it the way they played it, and then in the closing minutes of a game, turn to Giannis and let Giannis go be that guy to try and lock Jimmy Butler down at the end of a game. It's similar to like LeBron guarding D. Rose years ago uh, and so forth. They chose to go neither direction, uh, which I, I guess to me was surprising, even though it is Bud, and I've been critical of Bud his entire time here. I just would have thought they would have done something other than Drew because... Drew Holiday running around chasing him all over the place every game, I think, just absolutely killed Drew Holiday offensively because he was so worn out having to guard Jimmy Butler for that series. Yeah, Sparky, I, I think uh, the fact that they didn't try anything else was probably the most uh, damning throughout the five games. Look, Giannis missed three games. Um, you know, so maybe if there was a plan at some point to, to have him take – take turns on Jimmy. Uh, obviously that kind of went out the window. Um, you know, maybe Giannis just wasn't in a physical place to do it on a, on a regular basis, like two years ago. Uh, but it, so I'd say it's more to your first point, Sparky, where they just didn't try anything else. And I, and on one hand, if you were to say the best option is Drew Holiday, it's hard to say that that's a bad option. Right, like, because it's Drew. Like, but I think the, the problem is, is you you got five games of it, and it never got better. Um, Jimmy always got what he wanted because of the size like. differential. I mean, Drew can't grow another yeah. six inches to guard him. So that's the thing to me, Sparky. Is like, on one hand, I, I agree, Drew's your best individual defender, arguably one of the best in the league. But by game five, it was clear something else needed to happen. And, and the fact that it didn't, whatever that was. And look, at this point, maybe, you know, what, you know, Wesley Matthews had a turn. Jimmy cooked everybody in game four in Atlanta, uh, in Miami. Everybody got it. Yes, Brooke, Chris. Like, I mean, so he was on one throughout this series, Sparky. But you're right. I think in, in those sort of closing moments where it's going bad, uh, or maybe early in game four, for instance, when he scores, you know, nine of ten, try something else. And that, that I think, was one of the issues Budenholzer faced as they made that decision on, on his job. You know, the other thing uh, about this is Giannis, after that game five, pretty much ran him over with a bus three times. And when that happened, I was like, you know, that's not good for Bud because Giannis is pretty loyal to a fault and was willing to go fight to get Jason Kidd his job back when Jason Kidd got fired. Uh, but when you start doing things like, well, I don't know, man. You know, yeah, sure, sounds good, but I'm not the coach. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but I'm not the coach. Yeah, I agree, but I'm not the coach. You start doing stuff like that, whether you think you're doing it or not, you're kind of throwing your your coach under the bus, and he pretty much did that in the post game presser. Yeah, and Jay Crowder said the same thing to me. Oh, he was pissed. Crowder I, was pissed because he didn't stopped. play. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that, and I asked him, I said, Jay, did anyone talk to you about this? And he said, no, you'll have to ask them that. Yep. And, and you know who them is. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. I, and look, th- this has been a, a theme, if you will. And I know Buck's Twitter, Buck's fans, Buck, you hear the word of justice, but it's, it's more than that. Like I, my, my first off season, if you will, on the beat was the start of the championship, 2020 in the pandemic. And the theme out of the bubble was, was, I went back and listened to this, Giannis and Chris talking about having the ability to throw a first punch in the regular season. And, and it, but that's great. We've been doing it. We've ran through the league like gangbusters two previous years, but we need a second punch. We need something different and ready to, to once the playoffs started. So it, this goes back a several years with these guys, Sparky. And I think, you know, the, the fact that Mark Lazary was pretty open after the title that, that he w- went into the locker room in Brooklyn and yelled and wanted to know what was going on. Like, I, I feel like the, the timer was always running on Budenholzer. It maybe was just reset when they won the championship, but I feel like it never stopped. Right. And, and so I feel all of this was just that, that clock just running and running and running. And finally, you know, against Miami, it, it ran out. The timing though, man, the timing. Dude loses his brother in a car accident before game four. Dude doesn't have his best player, one of the best players in the league in Giannis, for two full games and part of another game. And then you let him go? Like, I don't know. Like, to me, and again, it's not like I'm against them getting rid of Bud because I'm not against them getting rid of Bud necessarily. But two years removed from a championship and then to go through that circumstance in the series that you lost and then to say, okay, now we're done. That, that's tough. There's no way I would have been able to coach a game four or game five had my brother died. There, there's no chance. I'd be like, I'm done. Good luck to you. I, I'm, I, you know, This is everybody's opportunity to see what Charles Lee can do as a head coach audition for the Pistons job, but I, I won't be there. That There has to be a lot going on in your brain outside of basketball when something tragic like that happens. I, you know, I would imagine. I, I can't obviously crawl into to his head um, or anybody on the team. Sparky, I, I guess I will say in terms of timing, look, I, th- there may have been some grace there anyway with, with sort of waiting the eight days. I, I don't know this for sure. I'm not reporting this. Right. But, like, if, if that hadn't happened, I, I don't know if they would have waited eight days. It might have been the next morning. You know what I mean? So I feel like there was grace involved, and but you couldn't go too long, and not because of, you're looking for candidates or, you know, it's not like they, they hired someone already as we record this. I, I think you didn't want it to go too far along because at some point you do turn the page and you begin, you know, if you're a coach, you begin your next season, you begin, Oh, well, these coaches might leave the team and Charles Lee leaves. He's going to take these assistants. I need to start lining up assistants to hire. Like the bucks couldn't wait to me much longer because y- you start the off season stuff. So, but I get what you're saying, Sparky. I, you know, I can't imagine the, um, the the personal part of that. I mean, I think unfortunately we've all worked through grief, um, and I don't I don't know if that I don't think that's easy for anyone. And so, yeah, I I definitely feel for for the Budenholzer family in that way. I'd be hot. I'd be furious if I was Bud. But he has it, and he put out this release or whatever that he had thanking everybody, very gracious uh, in his exit, saying he's going to go have a beer and go fish or something on one of these lakes. And and that's good. Uh, I'm fine with that. This is my other thing. Charles Lee, three files for the Pistons job. I'm not a fan of hiring somebody from this staff 
uh, to be the head coach. Not saying Lee can't have different ideas of what he wants to do and so forth, but if we're going to wipe the the slate clean with Bud, then I'd rather just wipe the slate clean and bring in a whole new coaching staff. How do you view it? Yeah, it's it's sort of interesting, Spargy, because I I think for as much as you know, the social media churn wants to anoint assistants. I, I really don't know if anybody knows what a basketball assistant coach does right. on a regular basis. I mean, it's not like you know, when, when Matt LaFleur was hired and you can look at a system and a scheme and a track record of play calls, et cetera. Um, so that aside, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Charles Lee will be the next great head coach I, somewhere. I don't know. Um, but I, I would think, Sparky, if he was going to be – a serious candidate here in Milwaukee, would the Bucks really be letting him get down this road with, with other teams? And I, I don't think so. Yep. So, and that's not to say, you know, they shouldn't interview Trump. Maybe he's already interviewed internally, you know? Um, but I, I do get your point of, okay, if the core of this team and this roster has to come back, which really it has to, <laughs> um, and you made this change, something's got to change. So I, I definitely can see that Sparky where, all right, um, new head coach, some of these guys have contracts um, that that you know they're, they're under they're under contract and and maybe you know Giannis has certain coaches he likes. I guess Sparky is those coaches will remain on the team, um, you know, so that you've got some of that as well. Um, but yeah, I would think for the most part, a new head coach would have some flexibility to uh, to bring in their their at least their top assistant. But doesn't part of this for new head coach as desirable as this is? Doesn't part of this have to be, what are you doing with Brooke? What's Middleton doing? And how confident are we that Giannis is going to pick up this extension? Those three questions all have to be asked here if I'm interviewing for this job. As much as I want to coach Giannis, and that sounds great, if Middleton opts out and leaves and you don't want to pay Lopez because he's older, and I'm left with Giannis and a bunch of older other dudes around him and role players, all of a sudden this job isn't nearly as appealing anymore. Yeah, I, and that, that may be part of the, the process, in, in air quotes, Sparky, right, where um, they've got to go down the line with these guys. And look, we, we all know, okay, the, the deadline for options for Chris uh, is June 30th. You know, Brooke technically is still under contract. He can sign an extension by June 30th, and then, you know, the free agency July 1st. All of that will be decided by that, um, regardless of the rules, right, Sparky? Like, we all know that, you know. So I have a feeling if, if John Horst doesn't know it, like, right now, he's going to know it soon from those guys. And, and I, I don't I, – I guess I don't think Bucks fans should worry about that, like that there's some great – roster mystery here um whatever the plan is i'm sure will be communicated and, and that coach is going to feel good with it um there's two things there though spark I, I do think chris and brooke are back uh, your listeners uh, bucks fans i think are educated enough at this point to know those guys cannot walk 
And, oh, and no, the, no, and no. no, 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 I disagree. I think there are a lot of Bucks fans that want Middleton out of here. I, I don't, I don't think uh, a whole lot has changed on the Middleton thing. I see a lot of that on social media, people trying to figure out how they can trade Middleton to get Dame Lillard or do something along those lines. People are fine with, okay. I think, Brooke Lopez coming back, but Middleton is a guy for whatever the reason for years, Bucks fans have been more than happy to move on from to get somebody better. Which is hilarious because how many how many three time gold medal winning all stars are there? I, you know three time all star. Anyway, okay, put it this way, Sparky, the Bucks fans, I guess listening to this, like there is no one better. That, like they're not going to get anyone <laughs> if Chris Middleton decide. And he, it's his option. If he yes. would truly want to decide to leave, the Bucks are in a terrible spot. The best they could do at that point is maybe convince him to do a sign and trade. Correct. Yep. And at that point. And, and look, you trade machine all all you want, people. But like in reality, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not helping you win a title. Nope. Like the twenty two year olds in Houston aren't helping you win a title. The twenty two year olds in Detroit aren't helping you win a title. Like it's just not. It just doesn't work. Like the Bucks aren't getting anyone better than Chris Middleton. They're not getting anyone better than Brooke Lopez. So they kind of have to be back, and you pay that price. Sparky, and, it, and it's essentially a two-year run. We're not going to bog people down with the, the new CBA. Just just know, like, Chris and Brooke will, will most likely be back. We've we'll, we'll, we got to give them their, their percentage. Uh, maybe not, but we're most likely back. This is most likely a two-year window. Now, you mentioned Giannis and the extension. Look, Sparky, I've heard the same national stuff you have. He's not – I mean, 98% is not going to extend. And it has nothing to do – with the Bucks, It has nothing to do with Milwaukee. It has everything to do with that 28-year-olds on a Supermax don't sign extensions. <laughs> the, only, the only person who's done that, Sparky, that, that anyone knows is Damian Lillard. And Damian had a, what, torn abductor, and he's in his mid-30s. Like, that was such a different example. Um, so, no, that, that extension's probably going to come and go. And Giannis whatever he'll say about it in October when the deadline passed. I, I don't think it has anything to do with anything, Sparky, other than he doesn't have to. And so why, why would you? Like, the, the cap's just going to keep going up. You know what I mean? So wait it outside for more there. money then at the end. Uh, yeah, like, the, the salary cap's going to go up, and so why lock yourself in two years ahead of time? You can just get to your option year in two years, and it's going to – like the media rights deal comes up, and, and you're, you're just making more money. Yep. Um, and let, now, it, now also, it also creates a little bit of leverage. I mean, he did this with the Supermax, right? Um, Drew Holiday had to be acquired. So there is, it does still hold some leverage over the team. But it's just not the – I just – I don't the, – the sense, the feel I get sparky that, that if that comes and goes – in September, October, like it's not a doomsday scenario. So, okay, so let's talk about this then, Jim Ozarski. If if Holiday is back, Giannis is back, Middleton's back, and Brooke Lopez is back, how do they get better? Is it just <laughs> coaching? Yeah, that's the that's the roll of the dice, Sparky. Because it look, they're going to be really hamstrung this year. They're not going to get a tax mid level exception. People want to know what that is. That you know, they're not able to sign Joe Ingles, for yep. instance. They used their entire exception on him now two years ago. 
they split that exception up between George Hill and I think their second-round pick, Yorgos Kalasikas, and maybe some other guys. Now, we can get into a debate on how wise those moves were, right? Were those the right players for that money? But regardless, they will not have that money this year. So really then you're, you're working on the edges. Um, now, if, if they all resign, eight guys are under contract. You're starting five, you're, you're sixth man of the year finalists, you're seventh man of Pat Connaughton, and Marjan Bochamp. And then, you know, Javon Carter could pick up his option. Um, so maybe there's nine guys. But, yeah, you're, you're really scraping the edges of the ring chasers and the minimums and maybe your second-round pick. Or, or you, you know, does Hugo Besson come over and he actually is just on the team? So you're right, Sparky. Like, this is a very top-loaded roster, again, provided everyone comes back. My co-host normally, Nathan Marzian, uh, is, has been uh, and will continue to be a proponent of moving Bobby Portis, thinking that he holds some value around the league. How much value do you think Bobby Portis holds around the league? Uh, I, I would imagine it's increased over the years, Sparky. I mean, he's he earned the deal he got you know, six-man-of-the-year finalist in a very well-rounded campaign. I mean, to be, you know, the, the number one bench player in double-doubles in the league, to be a top-ten double-double player, um, you know, at, at, he essentially almost averaged that. I think when Giannis was out, Sparky, he was a 17-12 and 12 guy. Um, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, you know um, – so I think there is value there. I, I, obviously, he's got a championship pedigree. Um, I think he's a willing defender. You know, I realize, obviously, his shortcomings there, but he's, to me, improved in three years, which maybe was a knock. Um, he can play with another big, as he's done with Bobby, Brooke Lopez. He can be himself. So I do believe there's value. Um, but it's always hard to project that, Sparky, because, look, he's got a 15% trade kicker. So that's helpful. You know, that team who would acquire him would have to consider him, what, a $14 million a year player, 15, something to that effect. Um, you know, that's – how do I know the value of what uh, – and then here's the other thing, Sparky. Name me a cap team. Name me a team that's got those guys. Because essentially what, you're, what, what are you asking for? Are you asking for two players who make $15 million? Three players who make fit to round out the roster, well, then you just got worse because those, those types of guys are not better than better reporters, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the hard part now of, just, oh, just trade Bobby. Just trade Pat Connaughton. Well, I mean, first of all, they're bench players for a reason. And what are you trading them for? That's, that's the whole part of this of roster filler. Are three $9 million guys better than Pat Connaughton? Like, like playing I, fantasy I sports. Mean, I'll give you these three dudes for your superstar. It all works <laughs> out. I'll give you right. three three of these guys that equal the same amount of touchdowns as your one guy. I don't see what the problem is. I'm giving you the same amount of touchdowns <laughs> back. Hey, uh, Jim, what about Pat Connaughton? Uh, is he more chemistry glue guy, uh, and that's pretty much more of his role than anything else? Because other than that, he's pretty much just hustle guy in my mind. Like, if he wasn't on the roster on the floor, I don't know how much really this team is really bothered by that on the floor. You know, Pat's a guy I wish, I wish we would have been able to have exit interviews. Sparky, I wonder how hurt his calves were this year. You know, he injured, he strained both of them. 
Um, and, and I wonder how, and look, every sport is from the ground up. And I, I just wonder how that affected his shot. Um, and Pat's a guy, I think, that would be a little honest with us after the fact. Like, I think in season, hey, I know I'm good. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Um, look, I, I think he's, a, he's, he's more than that. I, you know, look, they, they made a decision, you know, that, that, that Boston game sparked where they lost by 50. You know, he wasn't going to play. I mean, he was the one who was going to sit. Right. Uh, he clearly – I don't think he was going to play against the, the Heat you know, um, until Giannis got hurt. And then all of a sudden that changed the rotation. And then Wesley Matthews got hurt. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's a ceiling there, Sparky, but I, I think he's more than a glue guy. I, I mean, the shooting was, was streakier than normal, but he had been an ascending three-point shooter. He's just 30 years old. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's more than a glue guy. Um, he's the type of guy, though, I think, along with Portis, I guess, Sparky is maybe the new head coach has a better that's where the edges are right like Chris and Brooke have to be back but maybe the new head coach says well Pat not at nine million dollars but this other guy at nine might be a better fit for what we want to do that's where I can see changes now is that better I mean we'll find out because that's where that's where that's the marriage of the coaching piece that we have yet we have yet to find out I got two more two more questions for you. How much pressure do you think is John Horse under to get this head coaching hire right? Uh, or do you think there is literally zero pressure on Jordan Horse at this point, one way or the other? No, this this uh, look on one hand in pro sports, I mean there is the axiom Sparky, right? Everyone's hired to get fired. Yep. Very, very few people do it. I, I think I don't know this. But this will be John Horst's second head coach. His first one was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, they, they knocked it out of the park with Mike Boonholzer in terms of a 60% winning percentage, a championship, yeah. you know, championship contender for five years. Like, they, they, hit, they fulfilled the mission. Now, this mission's different. And to me, uh, this does start the clock on John Horst because um, if there's – they, in pro sports, Sparky, they, 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 the team say, oh, we always want to win. The goal is to win a championship. In reality, in reality, maybe four to six teams actually operate that way. Maybe. The Bucks are one of them in these next two years. If, if this goes bad, in, in meaning first-round exit, second-round exit, with this roster, I think, I think it's a total, total change in two in, in, in two off seasons, right? That's just my opinion. I, I'm not reporting that, but that's just the feel of this. So yeah, yeah, Sparky. I think um, John said it when he talked to us. He said this is going to be a hard hire, difficult hire, and it's one they've got to get right. That's interesting um, because the other aspect of this that I want your thoughts on is this ownership change uh, with Mark Lazary out uh, and Jimmy Haslam in. I've never been more disappointed in my life, I don't think, possibly, of them deciding to have Jimmy Haslam involved in this ownership group coming from the Cleveland Browns. But either way, here we are uh, and are stuck with it. And I don't know if Jimmy Haslam himself thought he'd be in a position to be having input on a brand new head coach as soon as he got into this ownership group. I think what I saw was, you know, he's gonna, he's on the ride along to win another championship ring. 
uh, on the way out here like he was with the Steelers when he was a minority owner there. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, I'm assuming that Jimmy Haslam will be a part of probably these interviews for next head coach and will have a, a pretty good significant amount of input on what they do. Yeah, I mean, look, Wesley is the governor. He has final say, just like when they went through this process before, right? When they hired John and Mike Budholzer. But you're right, Spark, you don't spend plus million dollars to, to have no thing. Look, we can talk about a job. Uh, there he is, Jim Ozarski, uh, joining us here on Green and Growing. And I guess I'll just wrap this up quickly here, uh, talking about Jimmy Haslam having a say. And l- listen, he's going to have a say. <clears throat> he's going to be at the table, uh, and he's going to be interviewing Nick Nurse. If that's who they decide to interview. If they're going to interview Charles Lee, if that's what they decide, Butts assistant, he's going to be a part of that interview. Uh, if they're going to interview uh, Vogel, uh, the former Lakers head coach, uh, he'll be a, a part of that interview, you know, going forward. Uh, there's also some rumors flying around right now that they are possibly considering guys that already are head coaches in the NBA. Ty Lu is a name that's being thrown out there, the LA Clippers head coach, about possibly having uh, interest in a Ty Lu and maybe Ty Lu wanting to come to Milwaukee and get out of that circus uh, that is the LA Clippers uh, at the end of the day. Maybe that's what this whole thing is about. Uh, at the end of the day. Don't know how this is going to play out or who they're going to get. But he's going to have his input. And, like Jim Ozarski put it, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Bucks beat writer, while he's going to have say, was Edens, at the end of the day, is going to have final say. And everybody can blow it off and, and poo-poo the idea of, oh, you know, when Jimmy Haslam becomes governor, you know, it, it's still going to be a group decision because that's what Edens is going to tell you. And I'm here to tell you, that all may be fine in theory, but when it was Edens and Lazary, whoever had last say normally ended up getting what they wanted. Normally. Maybe not the John Horse thing. Because they both wanted to go in different directions there, and Horse was the only guy they could pretty much agree to at the end, so that's how Horse ended up getting the general manager position, because they couldn't get down with who they both wanted. So, now going forward, and this is what I'm interested to see, right? I want to see if and when Giannis leaves, and let's pray to God that doesn't happen, but if and when Giannis leaves, is Wesley Edens going to be the next one out the door and selling part of his share in the team? And getting out of Dodge and letting Jimmy Haslam and whoever the other person is coming in, or maybe Jimmy Haslam buys his option too, and then we're stuck with Jimmy Haslam as owner of the Milwaukee Bucks because Edens doesn't want to deal with a future without Giannis either and possibly having to go through a rebuild, not having fans going to games, and this whole thing kind of self-destructing and imploding. Will he go running for the hills when things get rough? Because clearly, Mark Lazary went running for the hills. Now, he went running for the hills up to you figure that out, right? If you listen to Brian Winhorse, oh, the, the clouds were rumbling and he could see it on the horizon. I don't think that's true at all. I, I really don't. I think it had to do with he didn't want to pay more luxury tax. He didn't want to pay the repeater tax. Didn't want to be involved in any of that. And he got out. It was, was fun while it lasted. He got to be the cool kid with his friends. He got a championship ring, which he'll always be able to brag to his friends about that, you know, he knows Giannis and he can text Giannis and da 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 da. And look at my championship ring. Yeah. He got what he wanted. Will Mark Lazary end up as an NBA owner again someday? Maybe. My money would be on the Knicks if James Dolan ever sells. But outside of that, 
will Wes Edens be the next guy to leave when Giannis leaves, if Giannis leaves? And again, let's pray to God Giannis doesn't leave, but eventually his career is going to end, whether it's here or somewhere else, and then Wesley Edens will have to make his decision if he's going to be a lifelong Bucks owner or, or a rather short-to-middle-term uh, Bucks owner as far as tenure goes. Thanks for listening to Green and Growing. Thanks to Jim Bozarski for joining us. We'll tape again coming up on Thursday with good old Nathan Marzian and myself. Have a good one. Toodles.